And welcome back. George Norrie along with Pat O'Connell. We are talking about the incredible case of Clay Wheeler. You talked to his mother after he died, and it just changed the way you looked at everything, Pat. What happened? Well, um, the one of the things is that she told me that um, when when he was little, when he and his sister were little, the family took a trip to uh, Alaska with their travel trailer. And on the way back, uh, they were in um, Idaho. And it was late at night, and his dad was tired, and they they couldn't go to a like a campground or you know a truck stop they they were just too tired so they just pulled off to the side of the road someplace and uh parked for the night and they were sleeping in the travel trailer when in the middle of the night his mom woke up and she was hearing this very strange what she called a conversation but she said it was in clicking noises and she said that it was like there were at least two of them, and the conversation was bouncing back and forth from different parts around the travel trailer, and she was freaking out. And she said that she knew right away it was aliens. And she said, I don't know why I knew that, because nobody talked about aliens back then. This was in the, I think, in the 50s, late 50s or 60s. And, uh, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't everywhere like it is now. And she said, but I knew right away that's what it was. And she said, to this day, I believe that they abducted at least Clay, if not all of them. And she doesn't know if they came back for him off and on over the years. But, um, you know, she was talking about this this clicking noise, this sound that she said was a conversation. And it it struck a chord with me. And I remembered that my brother Jim had created this what's called a sizzle reel. So it's a little teaser reel. Sure, like a trailer. Exactly. Only it's for the purposes of getting a producer, a TV producer or a production company. Or an investor. Exactly. You're actually right on. Uh, he was using it to, to for his investors, too. And um, in the in this sizzle reel i remembered that they were the team was out in one of the clips the team was out uh in arizona uh doing some investigations and there was this weird interference on their audio of of the video that they were shooting and it it, you know i've heard all kinds of interference and I had never heard anything like this. And it was kind of a clicking, popping sound. And I said, hold on. And I pulled up that that sizzle reel, and I found the spot where it plays that noise. And I said, is this what it sounded like? And she said, yes. Wow. Yeah. So since he died, has the activity at the airport stopped, or has it continued? You know, um, I don't. I don't know. I know that after he moved away, so he he had moved away in uh, 2013, um, and he didn't die until 2016, late in 2016. Uh, okay. Um, and he had uh, people contacting him and saying they were seeing the same kinds of things. In fact, 
not not all the same kinds of things, but like one of the classic things that he saw was a ship, uh, like a UFO, that would go straight up in the air and then dive into the ground and disappear, and there was no trace that it was ever that it ever went through the ground or anything like that, or and crashed, it, no crash site or nothing like that. Exactly. There's, I mean. Where when it happened at the airport, you know, he's looking. It appeared to have gone through the tarmac, and he's like, "There's no, you know, did it melt the tarmac? Did it? Yeah, there, or did the ship, you know, vaporize into it? But it's just, it just disappeared." And he said that was still happening uh, in the in the area around the airport, like you know, in a city maybe 20 minutes away. He had, uh, uh, you know, a county commissioner who said that um, family members were seeing these things, and he didn't, you know, he, he didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want anybody to know what was happening, but he, on the quiet, had talked to Clay and said, you know, could you talk to my family members about this? Because, you know, they don't understand it. They don't know what, what this means or what to do about it. So, um there was still some stuff going on, um, but, you know, my husband and I spent the night out at the airport all night. Um, actually, I one night it was both of us, and then the last night it was just me, because I thought some woman had told me that if I, that I wasn't scared enough to see them, that they wouldn't hmm. come to me. You know, if you fear them, they'll come kind of thing, and so... The last time we were out there, I spent the night sitting in my little lawn chair in the middle of, you know, on the taxiway, looking up at the sky, saying, come on down. And nothing, huh? Nothing. I mean, I I had a three fifty seven Magnum on my hip, but, you know, Whoa. I don't know if that would have done any good if they were aliens. Well, prior to your book, which came out in 22, had this generated any kind of publicity in Texas or any place else? anybody knew about it strange case so where, where do you think if you can tell us the body of this et might be um i have some some thoughts but we can't um you know i've got a team now you're afraid somebody's going to go dig it up aren't you yeah we've got <laughs> we've got a team with you know, drones with technology on it, ground-penetrating radar and LIDAR and uh, magnetometer and, um, you know, all kinds of technology. And because it might be booby-trapped, uh, we've got a careful. bomb, a, you know, very experienced military bomb technician on the team, and which is why, you know, this, the location is, this, this is you know, we, we've... Uh, fictionalized the location because we don't want anybody to go out there and guess that where it might be and start poking holes and you know blow right. themselves. I'm going to guess that it's at the airport. Well, it might be, but he he also owned uh, land near the airport, so um, you know I have some clues from him, um, but we don't know exactly where it is, and so you know we've kind of. We're using all kinds of tools at our disposal. We've got uh, remote viewers. But he, but he may have taken it to the grave with him, right? Yeah, that's right. Let's take some calls. Brandon's with us in Austin, Texas. Hey, Brandon. 
All right, thanks, uh, George and Pat. Sure. I have COVID, so I'm going to try not to cough. And oh, no. no. Yeah. We can't yeah. get it through the radio. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm going to get the the Paxil, whatever that prescription they give you, the antiviral for COVID. So I got, I'm going to get that in the morning. But uh, I hadn't heard of this story. Uh, so I hope that you come back and you can talk some more about it. But eerily similar to my own and other people that have been in Texas. And I've seen a gray and I think I've had implants. Like I got an MRI and I had this little like thing behind my ear. And when I went to go and get the MRI, it was gone. And it had been there for a long time. But uh, I've also had paranormal activity at the same time, like in the area. The gray that I saw had long arms and like shiny skin. It was at night. I think there's different factions of aliens and that some people can be marked for protection or property, depending on how you want to interpret that. But we don't know. We don't know what that means. Yeah. Some people get abducted and they're implanted. And I think that when they get taken up, they realize that they've already been marked by a different faction. So they don't want to like fight between them. Wow. I hadn't thought about that. And it was crazy that you thought about, or that you said ET were releasing gases and it had come underground because I was just talking about that recently. But if anybody ever has some sort of experience like this, you can use EVP to communicate with ET and some spiritual stuff and they'll teach you stuff. It can be risky, but they taught me a lot of words. And if it's pareidolia, uh, the random sounds that you interpret as words, how can you interpret words that you didn't know? Like I had to go and look up the definitions. Good, good point. And Brendan, you yeah. take care of that COVID, would you? Strange stories, huh? Yeah, that's fascinating. Thank you, Brendan. Next up, we go to Joe in Monterey, California. Hey, Joseph, go ahead. Thank you for taking my call, George. Sure. Um, I'd like to clear up something. Um, I'm an experiencer, but I'm also a contactee. And, uh, a few many years ago, we used to channel some of the uh, positive extraterrestrials, which they won't really contact us actually, because it's a law of non-interference that they have to uphold. He said, because I divided up different people like demons and ETs and and uh, bad people on the earth. And I said, demonic. And he said, well, why are you dividing them up? They're all demonic. And yeah, when you see it as that, they say, oh, in other words, an extraterrestrial could be evil and be demonic in character? Yes. Uh, you mean somebody who passes on in this world or even in this world, alive, a human being, they could be a really bad people or evil? Yes, they could be de- considered demonic. And when a people die, they could be terrible and they could be demonic. And if, a, and if there are demons, yes, there are demons and they are demonic. We need to not separate it because it adds too much confusion in, in, in dealing with them. Pat, what do you think of that? Well, that's uh, that's kind of the theory that this one witness that I finally tracked down uh, believes. He thinks that, you know, it's all demonic. So I agree with you. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know, but, it, it, you know, it's an interesting uh, theory for sure. Did you know if this scared Clay? Oh, yeah. It did. Yeah. And, and, it, and it, was, it, was, it was scary, but it was intriguing. He, he desperately wanted to know 
he wanted to know them. He wanted to know what they know. He One night he packed up a bag and sat out on the runway hoping that they would come and take him for a ride, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and, and hopefully bring him back, right? Well, and he and he brought uh, several pairs of underwear, but he did. He said he didn't bring any extra clothes because he figured they'd give him a jumpsuit like they have. <laughs> what did you think of him? Um, he he was very sincere. Um, he he was very creative, um, but he was. Um, you know, he had had all these mixed emotions, and he he wasn't happy when I debunked Bill Bean. Pardon me. No, go ahead. Yeah, he, he wasn't happy when I debunked a couple of things. Like, you know, he he said he had these videos of what he called rods or skyfish, and I I'm sure your audience knows what I'm talking about, but it's actually just a moth, and the shutter speed of the camera wasn't fast enough to to stop the wings in motion. So did, did he ever talk about what they ate or anything like that? No, no. And, and in fact, I had a really, really hard time getting him, especially the one that he shot, getting him to talk to me about it. And um, so I, I would push and I would push and then he would push back. He'd say, oh, well, I'll write it down for you. Uh, or I wrote it in a journal. I'll find that journal for you. And so finally I had to push him hard the last one of the last times that I interviewed him and I said why are you not wanting to talk about the alien you shot and he said and he got up he turned off the camera uh and he got up and he walked walked away and he said you know I'm afraid that you know people hear this and they'll think I'm some kind of an animal he said I I feel like a murderer and I oh. I wanted to communicate with them, and and here all I did was was shoot them. A lot of people and, feel that way about Bigfoot. If you see Bigfoot out in the woods, most people would take a shot at them if they have a rifle. And I said to him, you know, you this was self defense. They were invading your home. I said, if a bear was in your house, you would shoot it. And he said, well, I'm not sure. So that told me what kind of man he was. He was he was a gentle spirit in a way, um, and that you know he, he he wouldn't care he wouldn't necessarily kill a bear that was in his house you know if he could get it out without killing it. How did he describe the ET that he well, shot? He he said it was it was like the the two that were like joined together in a gate only it was just one it was it was you know, gray, silvery, and he said it was um, it was about three and a half, four feet, uh, slender, and, um, you know, he said the skin was real thin, and so the gray color, it wasn't like the skin was colored gray. It was, however, the, the blood vessels, the blood substance under the skin. Yeah. Um, you know, made the skin look gray. That's kind of the way he described it. Let's go to first-time caller Gabriel in Alhambra, California. Hey, Gabe, go ahead. Hey, how you doing, George? Uh, Great. Okay, so it's more of a comment than a question. Okay. Um, I, I I spend a lot of time in cemeteries, different ones, and um, uh, today I was 
in the cemetery and the thought occurred to me out of nowhere was like, I've never really thought this, but I was thinking, I wonder if there's an alien buried here. You know, and then now we got a show. Uh, based and we're, on and we're talking about that, and we haven't talked about a buried alien in years. That's weird. <laughs> That's very that weird. Is, what gets you to cemeteries, Gabe? Well, um, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm a. I'm a believer of the paranormal, and I'm. I'm trying to see if if, if I can com- if they can communicate with me. Like, you know, like there's a lot of the cemetery I hang out in. There's a lot of people that are buried from like the 1800s. And like, you know, from the Civil War and like stuff like that. And so I'm just trying to get some kind of reading. Interesting take on that. That's maybe they're sending him signals. What do you think, Pat? Yeah, I'm wondering if, you know, are you uh, are you sensitive? Are you telepathic or anything like that? Do you have other experiences like that? Because I wonder if, you know, you could be picking up the fact that there's you know, this case is becoming active again, that we're going to, you know, to look for this buried alien, alien, or could it be that, you know, the aliens uh, are, you know, out there and that they're they're connecting to you? That's very possible. Very possible indeed. And did Clay ever talk about uh, the planetary systems that they may be coming from? No. He, he, and, and that was one of the frustrations he had, that he... Uh, he couldn't get information from them. It was all, all these encounters were just kind of, you know, blind, that they were, they were there, except for the one where, uh, you know, the eyeglass case thing, and he had that, what he called the headache beam, and he felt like they were trying to communicate with him with this download of information that felt like warm water going through him. But um, he never really got any any sense of who they were or where they were from or even what they wanted. God, I, I just wish, Patty, were still alive. We're going to come back and wrap things up with you in a moment. The book is called Bleed Through, a true story of aliens, demons, and pure evil in Texas. Pat's website is experiencers.com with an X linked up at coasttocoastam.com. And we're back with our final segment with Pat O'Connell. Pat, what have you learned from this ordeal with Clay Wheeler? Well, I've learned that um, there are, you know, there are things that may be on a continuum that I used to think were individual. Kind of like uh, we were talking earlier, you know, are they aliens or are they demonic? Maybe it's, you know, this this range of manifestations of the same thing because, you know, he had... Uh, you know the ships and the aliens, but he had the the devil-looking demon thing coming out of the ground. He had the angel, the plasma angel thing, and then you know there was this this dark energy that pervaded the the airport and his hangar. And he said that when his when his crew would come and they'd clock in for work, their whole mood would turn dark and his wife his ex-wife was the most affected by it and it it was really like she was you know demon possessed well that's probably what happened to all of them pat thank you for the program good luck with the book bleed through and she was talking about demons and entities there's nobody like the spiritual warrior bill bean bill let's talk about that other case of possession that uh, is in the book uh, the connection if you would please Absolutely. 
and George, I'd like to, if we have a moment after that, I'd like to mention uh, briefly a couple recent ones that I feel you would probably be very interested sure. in hearing about. Absolutely. Uh, but let me speak about this really quickly. Um, this one took place on March 31st, 2018, in Orlando, Florida. And uh, I arrived at the home, and, you know, George, usually I can feel, and again, I don't claim to be anything, but God does give me a knowing of things. He has bestowed gifts, I'll say it that way, upon me. And I could sense evil right away, you know, pulling up and getting out of the, the rental car. And um, as I'm walking up the walkway, you know, I could I could sense it. I could feel evil present. And the uh, it, it was a very nice family, and, and the, the lady of the house was the one being affected. And she, too, had some suffering in her childhood, and she was exposed to uh, Santeria mm-hmm. and Santeria uh, curses, which is, you know, it's like a Caribbean voodoo. And so she had exposure to that and was victimized by that as a child. And so she had been having on and off bouts of what she believed was demonic possession over the years. I think it was just a, a strong oppression that eventually did turn into a possession. And I didn't even think that until it was time to perform the deliverance. So I'm sitting there with her and her husband, very nice ladies, very nice man, uh, met the kids. Everything seemed well between all of them. We're talking. Um, and the more we talked, the closer it was getting to the time at hand of the deliverance. Hmm. So I asked her husband, to go up and, and fill the tub that I was going to ask her to stand in the water. I was going to bless the water first. I was going to ask her to stand in that water, and I was going to perform the deliverance over her while she was standing in that blessed holy water. So everything was going according to plan until we got into the bathroom. When it was time for her, after I said the prayer, and I could notice when we were going up the steps, her body language, you know, she was changing, that she was becoming nervous and apprehensive. And, you know, and again, you think, okay, well, this person's going to be a little nervous. I mean, something like this is about to happen. You know, they're going to be disturbed by it. So I'm blessing the water, and now it's time for her to get in. And all of a sudden, George, it takes her over. And it becomes a physical struggle. And her husband, he was right there, and he did assist me. He stayed right there with me, and we had to physically subdue her and get her into the uh, tub. And my goodness, was it ever a struggle. Same thing, spitting on me, trying to bite me. Cursing. Her eyes changed to black. Um there were voices coming out of her, and she, her tongue looked like a, it was like a serpent. It was coming out and going all over the place. I, it was just unfathomable. And then she started, it, it wasn't her, it was those demonic uh, entities mm-hmm. in her. They were screeching and screaming. I can't believe that the neighbors didn't call the police. That's how loud this Jeez. was. And so, again, 
I had to be unwavering in, you know, what God was having me to do. And I continued, even with that screeching, and I continued to take power and authority over it. Every time I did that, it would stop, and then it would start back up again. So this was a battle back and forth for quite a while. And uh, to make a long story short, God did work through me to deliver her from it. And when she was delivered, she vomited everywhere. And that happens sometimes, George. It comes up through the mouth like that. And uh, after that happened, she was delivered. And then, you know, God bless her husband. He cleaned all of that up, and we had to put fresh water in there. Sure. And I re-blessed the water and then baptized her in that. And she's been great ever since, thank God. But let me tell you, I will never, ever forget that day. And it seems like she was calm, and then something really kicked her into high gear. What would have done that? I think what it was is the entities knew it was time for eviction. Aha. Uh-huh. So when okay. it's time for eviction, you know, they're going to hold on and fight with everything that they have because they don't want to go. They were fighting they you. A, yes. They have a host body, and that's what they want. And when they could get into a person like that and have that level of control, they don't want to go anywhere. So I am definitely, you know, a mortal enemy to these demonic forces. And again, it's by the power of God that I'm even still alive, George, because I believe that if if the devil would have had his way, he'd have killed me a long oh, time see, ago. That's, by the power of God, I'm still alive. That's what I asked you if you've ever been attacked or hurt. You've been yeah. very fortunate. Yes, absolutely. Can we, can, can we say ahead. you were lucky? Well, I, I would say blessed. Uh, you know, I'm definitely under God's full blessing, and, and I am not perfect. I don't claim to be perfect. I try to do the best that I could do and be the best that I could be each and every day of my life because I have to be somebody to and for somebody every day of my life. So I can't let down. And so I thank God and praise God for that. Um, and I will say this as well that my life is 50 times more blessed than it's ever been cursed. And I could never thank God and praise God enough for that. Let's talk about a couple other little cases you had mentioned. Then we'll get into the Mandela effect, and then we'll take calls with you, Bill. What okay. uh, what other cases um, did you uh, happen to have? I want to talk with you about something that took place on November 18th, this uh, 2018. And uh, your webmaster has it posted on the coast-to-coast site a couple of those photographs. And this took place in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And this took place uh, at the home of a family that I had already helped. I'd previously been there. I love them dearly. They're, they're like family to me now. And, and I feel that way about all my clients. I You know, after this is over with, I try to be there for them and do anything that I can for them and, and always be there and somebody that could comfort them and help them to move forward. So this is Anita Tetzno and her son, Chris Levis, Um, great people. Anyway, they started having problems again, and they asked if I could come back, which I did. And again, I sensed the presence of evil when I entered into the home, really walking up the walkway as well, but I entered in. Now, usually, George, I would never ask someone to do this uh, because most people, they don't want to document. They don't want to take photographs. They don't want video. They're very embarrassed and ashamed by it. They don't want people to know it. But on this occasion, I felt that God was urging me to say to Chris, 
I want you to stand behind me as I'm going through this house. And they'd have, they had had severe demonic problems in the past that God worked through me to deliver them mm-hmm. and to get rid of the garbage out of the home. And somehow it had come back in. And so I asked Chris, I said, I want you to walk behind me as I'm going through the house and just take random photographs. I really believe that you're going to capture some things in these photographs. And so, sure enough, he captured many images, uh, two that I believe to be divine angels, and then the rest I I believe to be demonic. And uh, one in particular, which is on your Coast to Coast website, was this face, and I mean, it's very clear. It's very clearly uh, defined. It looks like a demonic entity, and if you look closer at it, it looks like fangs. Oh, it's horrible looking. It's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, out of the right side of the mouth. And um, so this was in the basement of the home. It looks like Frankenstein, the face, doesn't it? Exactly, George. Exactly. And I mean, that's one of the most defined pictures that I've ever seen of what I believe to be a demon. And so I was drawn over to the uh, chimney area, and part of that house was built in the 1800s. And there was like a little potbelly stove uh, connected to this this chimney area down in the basement, and it was a block wall. And I felt that there was a portal there. So this is something that I didn't discuss with you earlier that I should have is that not only you know, do I have to, by the power of God, bind and rebuke and cast out demonic forces, but I also have to close the portals as well, because there are portals everywhere. That's, That's not easy. Travel. No, it's not. And, and so I'm standing there in front of this block wall where God had led me to, where I believed a large portal was, and I'm binding and rebuking and closing the portal, and as I'm doing this, George, just as you're hearing my voice now, this groan, growl type of thing came out from within the block wall. Anita and Chris were standing right there with me. We all heard it clearly. And so after hearing that, I had to jump right back into action and take power and authority and bind and rebuke it, cast out, and then it departed. But it was, again, something that you and the uh, listeners, you'd have to be there to see it and hear it for yourself to truly understand and appreciate what I'm saying. Let's take a few calls here for you, Bill, and we'll come back and talk more about these events and the Mandela effect as well. Let's go to Colleen in Red Bluff, California, to get things started. Hi, Colleen. Hi, George. Thank you. I think for taking my call. I'm actually kind of really nervous. Um, I was married for a long time to an abusive man, and there were many times, just to cut it short, abuse verbally, physically, mentally, whatever, and sexually. And um, I can distinctly remember at least three or four times where I saw the face of Satan while he would be raping me and choking me, and I would have fought him off physically as hard as I could, and I was strong back then. And, I mean, I would be sweating just out of energy trying to fight him off. And um, I just, I feel like I've been stuck, 
and I don't know if there's residual effects from that or whatever, but I know. I know. Do you I know feel possessed? Just, I don't know if I feel possessed because I've done, I mean, I'm a single mom, four kids, raised them all, worked hard. And, and, and where is he? Know. He's done. He's gone, right? He died, yeah. He oh, died he died. Three, yeah, about three and a half years ago. But, I mean, I, we were divorced a long, long time ago. But, you know, I mean, God has been amazing in, in letting me raise my kids and everything that we went through. I mean, just a host of things. But um, personally, I just feel like, I just not worthy. I don't know. I, I well, let's bring the expert in to talk with you, Bill. Go ahead. And I'm very sorry that you've suffered in the way that you have, and I want you to know that God does love you, and God is with you, and God is for you. And I think it's time for you to start a new chapter, new season in your life, making God first in your life, and have a real connection with Him. And allow him to show you that you are somebody and you are worthy. So I would suggest to you that, and whether it's me or somebody else, find someone to help you with this type of spiritual, and this would be more of a spiritual cleansing for you. And I would also recommend that you'd be rebaptized as well. And start a new chapter and a new season in peace, freedom, and victory. I want you to look forward and never look back. Okay. And you can get a hold of Bill through his website, Colleen, billbean.net, linked up at coasttocoastam.com. That's it. And, and God bless you. And if I can be of any assistance in any way, please, like George said, he just gave you the website. Don't hesitate. Let's go to Ed in uh, Hemp Hill, Texas. Ed, welcome to the program. George, it's such an honor. To talk to you. Well, thank you, Ed. And Bill, when I was nine years old, my mother went to Kmart and bought a Ouija board. Oh boy! Mm. Oh boy! Uh, and, uh, she thought it was a game, uh, right? Thought it was a game. Yeah. And my brother, me and my brother played it. He was three years old, and he was twelve. And, uh, he died at 25 years old. Mm. Oh, my. And everybody in my family, except my father, he's 82, has died. I'm very sorry to hear that. You think a lot of it was tied to that Ouija board, Ed? I think everything was tied to it. Anything happened that you could recollect for us? When you were playing it, and how many times did uh, you and your brother uh, use the board? Oh, we'd mess with it every day. Every day. Oh my gosh. Every day. It's a portal, Bill, isn't it? Frightening for Dan Galanti, Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Lattisor, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burrows, Tim Banal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett. I'm George Norrie, somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM. We'll see you on our next edition. Until then. Be safe, everyone.